Hi everyone. Welcome to Halfway Saints. I'm Daniel. And I'm Holly. And we might have a guest appearance by our cat Willow. She's currently stalking something behind us. Sniffing at something um, curious. Yeah, so you might hear her in the background. But just disregard. She's just being a silly cat. She, she wants it to be bedtime. Mm. She's like, why are we not upstairs? Yeah. I don't understand. For a while, we would have to, like, shut her into her own room at bedtime. <laughs> and she would come and get us, and she's like, I'm ready for bed. I'm ready for bed. Put me in my room. Yeah. But hopefully she won't be too much of a bother. Um, so this week, we wanted to talk about uh, creativity, and it's because... Um, so I said in the first podcast that I have my own business and I design textiles and um, fiber art and um, design prints. It's conf- it's a little confusing because I do a lot of different things all under the umbrella of my my company, but I de- I make and design these um, crocheted fiber art wall pieces that are I have two different kinds of pieces one kind is crocheted and the other kind is uh, felted which I'll get into all of that at a different time but um then I also uh design textiles and prints and patterns for fashion companies like small startup companies and I make the prints and patterns for their clothes um and then within the past week I have gotten a lot of um like special commissions for paintings and uh portraits which for me like I have always said throughout my entire artistic career that I'm not good at drawing people and so all of a sudden this woman emailed me and asked me to draw a portrait of her and her husband and I was like okay if you want I'll take like a a shot at it and I'll paint you and your husband and if you like it then you can buy it and she was like okay fine I'll I'll buy it no big deal um and I said and she loved it and then you know, like her friends saw it and wanted another one. And then it's kind of just kind of snowballed. And um, I've gotten a couple of commissions and it's just been really inspiring to me to say like, I used to think that I could never do this and that um, this is one thing I'm not very good at. But then I just had to like overcome this uh, hesitancy to say, wait, you have the power to do this and you can do it as long as you just like put your head towards it. And speaking as someone with little to no artistic ability (laughs) for visual art at least creativity doesn't it's not just for something who people uh, it's not just something for people with ability or quote unquote artistic ability Mm -hmm. you can be creative through other avenues it doesn't have to be art specifically or visual art it could be through a lot of other things yeah and that was what that was also something that was inspiring me this week and last week is um, because our the group of women that uh, we do like a Bible study once a week, uh, we were um, wanting to do a crafternoon, and we had one at our house. Uh, was it two weekends ago? Uh, and we all needle felted together, which um, it just is a it's a craft form that seems a little intimidating, but once you learn it, it's so super simple, and anybody can make anything. Um, and so that was the lesson that we all kind of came away with it that. Um, you can take this craft form and make it whatever you want. So some people, it's normally like a sculptural thing. So you can make like, uh, I've made like a three-dimensional cupcake or um, 
an ornament or, you know, something like that. But then some people were making, like, two-dimensional, like, brooches and, like, floral things that were beautiful. And then one woman actually made a little Despicable Me minion that she gave her friend, and he, like, loves it. So um, it just is really encouraging and exciting to just to know that we all have this creativity and this, like, ability to make things within us that if you just tap into it, you can do it. Yeah, and I think um, that's something that's kind of gone by the wayside recently. Um, in the, like, high art world as, rel- as well as in, like, sort of the basic everyday world, um, like our grandparents and great-grandparents were more in tune to creating things and to crafting and to um, even, like, doing art, you know. I feel like in the, all those PBS shows, the women, like, all know how to paint. They all know how to draw um, and it was just more of like an everyday thing than it is now. We kind of like say, oh no, that's for the artists. That's mm-hmm. not for me. Or that's for the manufacturers. Yeah, because that's, I mean, without getting too much into a tangent, but the reason why um, that mentality is around is because we have manufacturers who just make things for us now. Like, oh, I want this. I can just go buy it. Or... Um, things are just so mass produced that you you no longer are in touch with the maker and you don't see the value of knowing the maker because it's just there and you can get it in 20 seconds you can get it same day delivery from amazon if you want so it's just so foreign to us to actually be in tune with that something to have a piece of anything it has to have come from some kind of creation to have some kind of source someone had to make it or a, a machine had to i don't know do something to make it (laughs) yeah and this isn't just us being hipsters and saying like oh you don't make your own butter that's you're such a sellout which p.s we do make our our own own butter butter. (laughs) (laughs) pick any example (laughs) but wait before we just had to clarify my mom bought us this like 14 dollar butter maker that's like this like very simple mason jar looking thing that just has like these two different sides and you just put cream in it wait six to eight hours and then shake it for three minutes and then you have butter at the end of it and it's just the most novel thing but we're not we're not like churning our own no, butter from holly, our cows back out back or anything right holly doesn't wake up at 4 a.m to milk the cows and then sets out the butter at six and churns but my point was um what was my point i'm sorry that we're not being hipsters right that there is um a Christian and the Catholic aspect to this, that creating, um, first of all, creating was very much part of culture, more so in the past than it is now. Um, and art was a much bigger deal, especially in the in the Catholic Church. Um, it basically gave the world its great art for, mm-hmm. you know, 15, 1600 years. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a quote from Pope John Paul II in his uh, letter to artists. And, um, Here, I'll just read it. It says, we need you. We need your collaboration in order to carry out our ministry, which consists, as you know, in preaching and rendering accessible and comprehensible to the minds and hearts of our people, the things of the spirit, the invisible, the ineffable, the things of God himself. And in this activity, you are masters. It is your task, your mission, and your art consists in grasping treasures from the heavenly realm of the spirit and clothing them in words, colors, forms making them accessible. So that's what artists were doing in the early church, is that they were taking these uh, 
ethereal. 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 Um, things and making them tangible and making them accessible to people. Um, and that was one of the things that I learned early in my uh, process of coming into the church when I was like, icons, so terrible. Everywhere. <laughs> um, I learned that, well, one, icons and images of um, the people and the life of Christ and of saints were there for people who, like in the beginning, were there for people who couldn't read, you know, so they would actually understand certain stories and certain, um, you know, aspects of the life. And then now that it's not, we're not worshiping those photos or pictures um, and paintings of those people that were just uh, reflecting on that and that were being exposed into that, um, that truth and in that moment. Yeah, the best way I've heard it is that you don't carry around a picture of your wife or your children in your wallet because you love that picture, that piece of paper. You love what that image represents. That's a genius way. What? You didn't tell me that three was, years ago, four years ago. No, it was at like a homily recently. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like you've been keeping the secret from You were me. there. Oh. <laughs> I don't remember that. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that was a great lesson for me to learn about iconography, but um, also speaks to how artists really do have um, a point in, in bringing people into closer communion with the Lord. And that's what I try to do with my pieces is that, um, one, I try to speak to the whole, what we were saying earlier with um, just being in touch with the maker and that this piece that's in your home is handmade and, and brought to you through um, a process that was laborious and was um, t- took a lot of time, but also that it was cared for and that it was lovingly created with, uh, you know, ethically sourced things. With I just sound so hipster right now, but <laughs> I can't really help it. They have a point with their with that sort of their stuff. But um, the other aspect of my things are also that the my pieces are made out of wool and out of, um, to represent like sheep and lambs. And they are all tying in the symbolism of the Paschal lamb and how the Lord is our shepherd and how we are all sheep gone astray. So Holly, does all Christian art have to be pictures of Jesus boxing or do you remember we went to that terrible gallery that had all the like action Jesus pictures? Guys, we went, okay. First off, we went to our honeymoon in Sevierville, Tennessee. Note to all listeners, don't go to Sevierville, Tennessee. <laughs> if we have any listeners, which of the 30 that we have so far, I doubt we have any in Sevierville. Probably like five of them are in Sevierville. <laughs> yes. I doubt it. But, um, yeah, we, we were looking for, like, a mountain resort uh, in, you know, the secluded Tennessee mountains. And then we actually accidentally fell into this tourist trap in the middle of Tennessee and with the world's largest Titanic museum shaped like a Titanic with an iceberg as the entryway. Yeah, to give you an idea, there was the city we were in. The next city over is home to Dollywood. Dolly Parton's. Dolly uh, Parton's theme park. Theme park, yeah. The next one over was Gatlinburg, Tennessee, which boasts a Ripley's, believe it or not, museum. I think they have a wax museum there. Most likely, yes. Yes, but there was this gallery there. Oh, right. It was, I don't know how we got in there, but there was one 
there's one of those galleries where like different artists buy different sections and there was one booth and there's all these like very bad like 70s pictures of Jesus like throwing a football with some kids and like taking the punch for you yeah. in your place yeah there's like a one of boxing and Jesus is like leaning over the guy's shoulder and taking the punch for him there's one very confusing one where he was taking the shot of heroin for the drug addict. Yeah, Jesus like puts his arm in and then you know goes yeah, in his arm. Yeah, which um, theologically I don't understand. I just in general I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess he's taking on the sin, but that's a different, different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever get to that. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah. I'm being silly, but my point was, does Christian art have to be, you know, that does it have to be pictures of Jesus? No, it does not. I mean, my stuff is not, and I think that it still glorifies who he is because I think that speaks to his deeper truths. What about, can a non-Christian make good art in the sense that it taps into the things of God? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, like, what we, we keep saying that we don't want to be hipsters, but that there is truth in some, some parts of their mm-hmm. uh, mentality. Um, like the quest for authenticity. Right, right. And that we all are searching for an authentic life, and it's because we're called to that, because we are made in God's image, to be in authentic relationship with him and with each other and with the things that surround us. And I think sometimes with postmodernism and that kind of stuff, art becomes kind of self-referential and just kind of like collapsing it on itself. But when art is the pursuit of beauty or truth and Mm -hmm. attempting to convey that in whatever medium you're working in that just in its own essence is you're creating something of God. You know, if you try to tap into truth or beauty um, or goodness, that's what God is. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if you mentally think I'm a Christian, I'm trying to find God in this. If you're just saying, I'm trying to get this beautiful idea onto this canvas or onto this page, you are doing, you're making Christian art. Right. Because... I mean, he is goodness. He is truth. He is beauty. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're reflecting those things, they don't have to be literal. Like, they don't have to be in the likeness of his body, but they can be in the likeness of his uh, sense. Essence. Essence. His essence. Essence. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I definitely think that you can't like there are many artists who don't even realize that they're reflecting the Lord's goodness through their work but they are yeah and it's I always think it's interesting and I know you and I've talked about this before that people create things like no matter where in the world where in time Mm -hmm. like there's just this innate desire to make things and to create things and to make beautiful things as well right like it was so interesting for me when I was going to art school to learn like in the very very early art history that in prehistoric times like in cultures across the globe everyone has this innate sense that they need to decorate their surroundings and that's why we have cave paintings and that's why um we have pottery that has like um decorative paintings on them or were um woven into certain like decorative patterns or had um what am I trying to do with the pottery to make the pottery pretty? I don't know. But in the pottery sculpture? Yeah, it's like making little things in it. 
I swear I'm knowledgeable on art, but oh, not totally. on part. Not you on part. Put of your you. BFA to work and <laughs> give us more than little things in the body. <laughs> like yeah, carving out into it, making right, it right. three dimensional mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Ba relief. There I was go. gonna say that, but I didn't want to sound pretentious. Oh, totally. Oh. <laughs> For me. Um, no, but there it was an innate desire to decorate the pieces that surrounded them and their actual surroundings, and I find that. Um, before we even had the written word, we had images and we had decorative patterns. And I think that that really speaks to that we are made in the likeness of God. And that not only does that mean that we um, might have physical things that represent him, no? No. Well, (laughs) it definitely means... Jesus we could look like, but... Sorry. I just started that sentence wrong. Um... It does mean that we have his creative aspect because God is creative by creating the world. And, I mean, if we look at creation, one thing that I really loved is that, like, why do we find creation so beautiful? And it is because we are a part of his creation and we get to see into his creative aspect through that. And that, like, oh, I had a point and I lost it, but... We are all creative, and it's because we are made in God's image, and God is creative. And if you think of God as creative and abundant and overflowing in his creativeness, you get to see a lot of who he is in the way that he loves us as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, kind of going off the, like we get hung up on um, sort of our primary mode of conveyance is um, speaking and like the written word. And, like, for us now, like, that, if you're going to say something intelligent, you type it out, you write it out, you put it in a book. Whereas before, I think visual, like, visual, the visual medium had a stronger impact or more of an impact. Yeah, because it was all that people had. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But even within, like, not the written word, like, the spoken word, um, storytelling, like, you know, making cave paintings and painting pottery is something that's universal and mm-hmm. has, you know, there's not a, well, we wouldn't know about a culture unless they preserved mm-hmm. their history through their stories. It was um, beautiful that they got to, sh- they shared it from generation to generation. Right. And that's just kind of how it was before mm-hmm. they started writing things down. Um, but I was actually thinking the other day, like about storytelling and like what the purpose is, why we do that. Um, and I decided it's basically you trick someone into learning something. That's, that's why you tell a story. Because if you just said, you know, here's this, this, and this, like you're just reading a textbook, you might memorize that knowledge. But to like, I think to truly learn something and to have it sort of become part of like your core identity, it has to be like a narrative that you can sort of latch onto. That you can experience. Yeah. You can't, you know, you can learn everything there is about lawnmowers. I don't know why yeah, I want a lot more. Let's go with it, though. <laughs> but <laughs> this is going to be bad. Um, but if your dad told you a story about, you know, when he was mowing the lawn and, like, it, he hit a rock and it flew and, you know, hit the rock, shot it through a window, so he had to fix the blade, and then he, you know, took this bolt off to put the new blade on, he'd remember how to put that blade on better than if you just studied the user's manual. Yes. <laughs> Dude, you didn't know where I was going with that. No. See, I distracted you with the rock story. Oh, there you go. So now you can mow the lawn from now on instead of me. Nope. <laughs> um, but so stories, do, like, 
help convey something, even that if it seems fairly straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just knowledge is easier to consume as a narrative. And this is why um, salvation history is presented to us as a narrative. You know, like we didn't just get a list of rules and regulations that like beamed down from heaven mm-hmm. and said, here's everything. We get the story of Israel, you know, start with Adam and Eve and then you get Abraham and it's just these stories of these people and we learn about God through them. There's our cat. There's the cat. In case you heard. <laughs> um, and that culminates with the word becoming flesh. I think it's just like super beautiful when you think mm. of it. Like we've been like listening to these stories and following this story and it ends. <laughs> oh, my cat's on my lap. <laughs> Willow, come here. She's fine. Okay. okay. Oh, she's sniffing the microphone. <laughs> yeah, put her down. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, but the culmination to the story is the word becoming flesh. Like, this spoken oral tradition comes to us in our humanity. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of just like a very beautiful, I guess, ending to that. Fulfillment of that would be mm. better. Um but also God uses what we know. He knows us better than anyone. Like he knows that we understand stories and narratives and personal relationships. And like, because of our creative minds, mm-hmm. that that's what we latch on to. Right. Just bringing it back to creativity. Right. It's the theme. That's our theme. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and just making it relatable. So God, you know, is the greatest artist because he figured out how to convey what he wanted so that we would understand. Right. You know, he paints it in a way that we get it. Mm-hmm. And I, I do love that Christ is the word made flesh. Because to if you think back, like, before uh, we had the Bible, we had the scripture, like, they had the scriptures, the early uh, Christians. But their knowledge of what the word made flesh is very interesting. Because they had the stories. And so for them to say, like, the word made flesh. They had the experience. Yes. And so that they, like, knew that he was the fulfillment of what they've been wanting, what they've been right. yearning for through the Old Testament, through the, the Israel's history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had the flesh. They didn't have to rely on stories like we do. or The text. early Christians the early had Christ- the flesh. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that what you said? Yeah, I just didn't follow for okay. a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, they were able to experience that. And now it's kind of flipped again where we have to read about these experiences. Mm-hmm. Um but again, it's um, just the best way for us to understand it, mm-hmm. I guess. And like you, you said that the early Christians had the flesh, flesh, but it's different for us now. But we do have the flesh. We do. Excuse me. Oh, don't say it like that. It is rejoicing. We have it in the flesh in the Eucharist. We do. Which is a beautiful thing, and I think that's a very. I mean, like God is very in, intentional with the fact that we get the flesh in this very mysterious way now like you were saying that he is he painted this picture to be the perfect uh, way to express himself to us through the word made flesh but like at, at face value someone may say like well how in the world would he paint this picture for him to come in the flesh to you in a piece of bread every week in a, a cup of wine but the the mystery that's within that reveals so much of who he is mm. and so much more because it's, I mean, like I also have learned recently how it's hidden 
because if we were to fully see it um, as it is, it would like blow our minds. But the way that it is hidden helps us like yearn for it longer and or harder and to um, experience them deeper in this like intimate way that's very um, unique to the Eucharist in the way that it like feeds us in the same way that we are fed to live. So how does this tie back into creativity and making things? Well, um, creativity is within us. That's the really underlying thing is Mm -hmm. that God created us in his image and that we are creative because he is creative. And so kind of at first we were talking about how us being creative taps into that and that we, I really want for you, the listeners, um, to know that we all have it within us, whether it be needle felting minions or um, painting portraits, something outside of your comfort zone, um, or the written word or the spoken word. But we all experience creativity and even just being in creation and admiring it as a creative aspect from God and to use it as a way to seek God um, is a very interesting thing. Right. Like understanding creativity is also, it's almost like as important as creating it or understanding art. Yeah. Taking it in is just as important as putting it out. Yeah. So there's kind of two sides to it, Mm -hmm. like being creative yourself, but also appreciating others' creativity and like what they are able to create. And there are so many people that I meet that, like, I hope this doesn't sound whatever. People meet me and they're like, how do you do it? How do you, like, I wish that I could paint like you or whatever. Okay. There's there's people, they line up each morning. No. But I used to, with my old job, I used to paint, like, um, as performance. So people would come up to me and say, oh, I wish that I could do that. I wish that I could paint like you. But really, like, I was not a good painter until I started that job, and I just learned how to paint. And I really think that what um, successful painters and successful artists do is that they just uh, are fearless in their creativity. And they say, like, this is a, I draw this certain way, um, and take it or leave it. That's just the way that I draw. That's my style. Um, And I really like that about the creative world is that like we all have a different aesthetic and we all have a different hand but that if we just let us like put down all of our walls and let it flow freely on on the canvas or through crocheting or through whatever media you might want to use claymation you know whichever one you (laughs) want um that you have a specific hand that's been given to you and that you really can express it in a really beautiful way um, that is exciting and that I think, I think, I just wish that more people could, so many people say I'm not creative, I'm not creative, but you are because it's within you. Without a doubt, it's within you. You just have to tap into it. Mm-hmm. And I think stepping outside of your comfort zone and what you feel your abilities are can kind of stimulate that creativity. There's a whole like school of poets called the new formalists and they took a step back from um, the sort of like free verse, like just write anything you want. Like it's not, it doesn't even look like poetry. It's just like a picture of an apple. And they're like, oh, look at that poem. And they <laughs> like restricted themselves saying, no, we're going to use these rhyme schemes, this meter, and fit what we're trying to say into this medium. 
Hmm. Um, and it challenges them to like try to convey what they want through these rules. So I get what you're saying, but I also think there's also something to be said for like disciplined forms of art. Oh, like, for sure. Yeah. Like, you know, Renaissance painters or like the, um, the pre-Raphaelite school, like that right. kind of thing who had like a set, um, standard. Right. I just don't want everyone to put themselves on that standard. Mm. That's what I think a lot of people do, and that's why they shy away from creativity. That's, they say, I could never paint what Michelangelo painted. Mm-hmm. Neither can I. You know, like, nobody I, can. I can't either. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. <laughs> um, but that you don't have to hold yourself to such a high standard that you can still be creative in your own unique way. Mm-hmm. Like, some people are gifted with that. Right that gift that they can paint beautiful realistic paintings but some people like me just like to draw pretty flowers in very stylized ways Mm -hmm. um and i think that related relatability is what people respond to yeah so i think so here's some homework we're gonna have a homework assignment um but i think everyone could benefit from just trying something creative like something you've always wanted to do Mm -hmm. um and just going at it Mm -hmm. you know like maybe have like a small group where you're like we're gonna try to be creative we're mm-hmm. gonna try to make art whatever it is let's try this um and i think most people would find that having the support because you, you said this earlier but creativity is sort of um grown in community like oh yeah having just like having, having ideas bounced off one mm-hmm. another but also just kind of knowing like you're all in it together like yeah. hey, getting the encouragement from other people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and saying like hey i'm gonna try to express this thing that's deep within me like you guys are going to see this it's going to be whatever but we're going to go through it together um and i think through that it can help kind of bring creativity back into the christian world in a different Mm way um and you know it's even a form of you know if it's beautiful and people recognize the beauty in it that's a form of evangelization in itself Mm -hmm. like because they can say this is it may not be like oh, look at this painting, I'm going to become a Catholic now. It might be, this is beautiful, what about this is beautiful? And they're right. going to be drawn in, mm-hmm. into that. And also, when you were saying that, I thought you were going to diff- go a different way, but I like what you said. But I thought you were going to say that it could be a, way, a form of prayer, mm-hmm. which it can be if you um, if you just tap into it. I think, like what I was saying before, that so many people put themselves on this high standard, and I think that we do that a lot in life, is that, we say like, oh, I can't be a Christian because I do this, 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 and this, and God doesn't like that, and so I can't, you know, I'm, I'm just not good enough for him. But if you if you just address what you have before you and you uh, try to turn it into good, mm-hmm. there is, like, there is... Um, Grace builds upon nature. Yes. So you, and through getting closer to God, you're only going to become more of the person you were meant to be. Right. In the same way, like, that is reflected in creativity. If, mm-hmm. Like, for painting, if you say, I'm not good at, um, I can't draw people well, or I can't draw this well, just embrace the way that you do draw it and take your imperfections and turn them into good things um, is what truly makes your pieces beautiful is because it's your own, um, your own unique style and your own unique um aesthetic yeah i've heard that with my handwriting which is horrible and i'm like embarrassed (laughs) when i have to write notes for people i'll like write a sticky note and then like give it to them and then explain what it says on it (laughs) 
Um, but you like my handwriting. You think I it's quirky. It. And I had an art teacher. I forget her name. She was... Like, at school? At, at school. high school? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the normal. Miss Petra? No, no, no. It oh. wasn't, it was, she was only there for a year. Anyway, but like, oh, she thought my handwriting was really quirky and really liked it. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's not a good idea, but okay. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll be like, Daniel's handwriting, I love you. It's, it's really not bad. Good. It's, he draws E's from the bottom up. Okay, we didn't have to get that. You didn't have to say <laughs> why make, it was. It doesn't make any sense. No, I'm that's oft- why I love it. I know. That's, no, I wasn't saying that. Well, I'm saying me. I'm often impressed when I see someone write a whole paragraph and they don't have to scribble something out just because they drew the letter wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that's an indication of my artistic abilities. But I like. I think that it's so interesting because it's the way that you work reflected in your handwriting. Backwards. And it's so consistent. No, just unique. Hey, you're beautiful because you're unique. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna get a. I'm gonna get a sticker and put it over our bed that says that. Um, no, but what was I saying before you? That it's I'm it. unique. I'm a unique yes. flower. No. <laughs> but I've always wanted Daniel to like draw something or to paint it because his, what he considers to be a disconnect between his head and his hand. I find to be like this insanely valuable uh, style that you have. Like you can't avoid it. It's like so much a part of you that you can't avoid it, that you can't, like your attempt to draw me or something would come off to be a very, I would find it very, very interesting to see what your hand drew to reflect me. Because it's that interesting to see like how your creative, how physically your creative work produces a piece that is so interesting. Maybe when Jack's old enough to draw, I'll draw something and like sneak it in with his stuff. And he'll be like, <laughs> oh, it's so great. You won't know the difference. One day, you're gonna, you're gonna be a, the bigger artist than I am. I'll stop. You, I'll you, stop. Know, you know that's not true. <laughs> no, but I, I, I think that creativity, when explored, can be a very um, good revelation of mm-hmm. deeper truths that yeah. are within us. Yeah, it benefits both the artist and the consumer. Mm-hmm. And if done correctly, it benefits the Lord. And there you go. Well, he doesn't. It can't benefit. benefit. Okay, it can benefit people through bringing them to the Lord. Exactly. It can benefit the kingdom. The kingdom. That's a better word. So to recap, you have no excuse. Go out there, paint some paintings. Paint some good things. Do Write some poems. Um, Tell stories. Sculpt. Don't start with marble. Start small if you're going to sculpt. <sighs> Try with some clay. <laughs> Play-Doh. Maybe some Play-Doh. Play-Doh. Start there with Play-Doh. Mm-hmm. Work your way up. Make a coffee mug. I always want to, at summer camp, I used to work at a summer camp, not when I went there. <laughs> One of the stations or the little things you go to was like a clay studio. Oh. And I always regretted not making my own coffee mug there. Oh, you had the chance to? Yeah. Oh, I was like chasing you? kids around. Because you were doing your job. I but was. Sure. I... When I go back to camp, I'm going to make a coffee mug. <laughs> when Jack goes to camp, maybe you could have Father's Son Day. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be so fun. <laughs> oh. Anyway. Yeah. Um, this was a fun podcast. Yeah. I had a good time talking we about this. We liked it. Yeah. Hope you liked it. Um, <laughs> I really like talking about creative things, so we might bring this topic back up again. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be honest, because I, I do find it very fun. Um, 
Maybe we'll do a podcast on wool. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> we won't. I won't bore you guys with that. I find it interesting, but nobody else probably does. I listened to a good podcast on wool the other day. <laughs> hey, there is a new podcast called oh. Woolful. I'm not going to say that's a no. good podcast name, but it is all about wool. Okay. I listen to it. It's great. Um, yes, but we thank you guys for listening to us. Um, Again, um, have any feedback, yes, email us please. at Podcast. Oh, G- my gosh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the, cat just, <laughs> the cat just leaped onto the back of Holly's chair. <laughs> <laughs> she really wants to go to bed. I know. Um, but email us at um, halfway saints podcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Follow us on Twitter at halfway underscore saints. And like us on Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Halfway um, saints. And we need to mention Three Dogs North. Yes. Father Connor from Three Dogs North was nice enough to send us a little email and um, tweet about us. Um, he's listened to the podcast, liked it so far, and he left us a review on iTunes. So do that if you yes. are, feel so inclined. Um, but Three Dogs North is one of our favorite podcasts. It's really great. It's done by um, priests and seminarians up at um, Mundelein Seminary in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a really, it's a really good insight into um, the priestly vocation. Um, and they're just great guys. And you see them living out their vocation well and pursuing mm-hmm. it well. And it's just really, it's been really encouraging to us um, for our vocation as married people. So, mm-hmm. And it's so, been very inspiring inspirational for us in our podcast mm-hmm. I remember when we were talking about the podcast I would always say well we could be like three dog- dogs north whenever we do this or mm-hmm. you know so yeah. we're very inspired and we were giddy whenever we uh, saw that he <laughs> tweeted us um, and we were very happy to yeah. hear or to read his review yeah so check them out as well mm-hmm. um, you don't just have to listen to us you can listen to other podcasts <laughs> don't worry we won't feel like you're cheating on us <laughs> um, so that's that's, That's all we got. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking it out. Um, tell your friends. Week, tell your yeah. parents. Tell everyone. Mm-hmm. Not for our own benefit. We just want to grow the uh, digital kingdom. There you go. <laughs> that was really late. <laughs> um, we just want to grow in community with you guys. Right. So, yeah. So, let us know how we're doing, whether or not you like it, and mm-hmm. recommend it to a friend. And if you have any questions, email us. All right. Mm-hmm. All, all right, right, guys. Have a great week. All right. Bye, everyone.